Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the exciting, strange, perplexing 49ers NFL draft. And we're going to talk a lot about it because we are in no position to make any judgments, but we're going to talk about it. But before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know, where can they find us? You can follow us on facebook.com slash the goldcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at the goldcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at the goldcast underscore. Make sure to add that underscore on Twitter. And you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same name, folks, The Goldcast. Super easy. Like, comment, yeah. subscribe. Love Super to hear easy. All right, here we go. Draft. Overreactions, underreactions. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows at this point? We're not going to know for week eight if any of this actually pans out. But still... This is the Goldcast, so we're going to talk about it. But first, Goldcast intro. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! Okay. Ray, it is in. The NFL draft is the done. The Niners have chosen. In the books, it is a done deal. So let's let's just review for all of our fellow Goldcast Nation. There was only one thing that I wanted in this draft, and in particular, in the first round. Can you remind the Goldcast Nation what that was? Protection for the Italian Stallion. And in particular... Quentin Nelson, who we both were not confident was even going to make it, and he didn't. He was picked up by Indy. Great, great pickup by them. Would you agree? Yes, considering that Andrew Luck's career is on its deathbed, they needed that. (laughs) So what do we do? We go a little further down the line, and we pick up the best tackle from Notre Dame. We don't get the best guard from Notre Dame. We get the best tackle. We get Mike McGlinchy, and it's going to take me a while to pronounce that correctly. Mike McGlinchy. We pick him up, and I am literally bouncing off the walls. And then on Friday, with our second pick, we trade down, and we pick up Dante Pettis, wide receiver out of Washington. And this was the very kind of controversial pick, aside from our torn ACL guy. This was a controversial pick. And... I'm going to say this before I I hand it off to you. I think Shanahan has earned the right for us to be just a little faithful, if I may. A little faithful because this is a guy that single-handedly, as the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons, took them to the Super Bowl with his scheming. He's been very successful everywhere he's gone. If he saw something in this guy, who are we to say, and I'm not saying that people are down on him. You know, I'm saying you know, maybe plenty of people are high on him. But this was the first pick that pundits, analysts were kind of like, hmm, hmm, scratching their heads a little bit. But let's let's give him a little bit of a little bit of leeway. He also has Jimmy G back there. Let's not forget that was a nine and one team. And then when Jimmy G took over, I mean, everybody looked gangbusters. So a little bit of leeway there. 
But Raymond, I want to hear what are your thoughts about the draft on the whole? And let's talk about, in particular, the first two picks. Well, the first two are kind of what I expected them to focus on, which is offense. And that was also the case during free agent market. So that was a huge thing that we addressed. We addressed every level. We addressed center. We addressed running back. We addressed tackle. We addressed wide receiver. Well, our wide receivers were set, but we addressed some of that, um, some of that, you know, also in the draft and also with some uh, undrafted free agents too. But I mean, um, but uh, Dante Pettis, I thought was an amazing pick. This is the best return man in, in FBS history. He had nine return, punt return, punt returns, not even kickoff returns, punt returns, which is extraordinarily more difficult than kickoff returns. Um, he had nine of those babies. Um, nothing didn't, I saw all nine of the returns. They weren't necessarily like, you know, I didn't, it wasn't a whole lot of, you know, Dion or Rod Woodson type slashing. It was more just, you know, very, very smart decision-making, you know, enough speed to turn corners and, um, make some jukes here and there and just kind of out, outrun guys and, and, outpace them that'll be obviously more challenging in the nfl as the speed and of everything of the players will be you know that much more better so that'll be his big challenge a lot of people are thinking like well he's also slot receiver i was like yeah but he according to the scouting reports he has a full he can do a full range of route running which means that he can play any position he can play slot he can play two he can play one so i think the what we're going to see from early this year is see him kind of do punt returns special teams so he'll probably compete with trent taylor because trent taylor currently does punt returns but i think trent will be the stapled um slot receiver of course he'll have to win that job out but um I like the pick. I think it's uh, he's amazing. I thought Mike McGlinchey's awesome. He's the same exact size of of Trent Brown, who I thought was you know over three hundred pounds, six eight. The only difference is Mike McGlinchey's much more polished. You know, he's a first pick versus a seventh pick. There's a big difference in talent level. You know, between a first round draft pick and a seventh round draft pick, not to suggest that a late round pick can't become great, but there was a lot of doubt and durability issues surrounding Trent Brown, although I liked him anyways, but clearly this guy is a step above that. He's going to be a day one starter. He's also 6'8", over 300 pounds. It's an amazing, massive, massive man. And that's going to be protecting uh, Jimmy G's front side, not his blind side. That obviously always goes to your best tackle on the left, which is Joe Staley. So I like the first two picks. And then from that, I remember you were, you were showing some, you were a little wary at that point. You're like, man, we haven't addressed defense yet. And I said, Hey, relax, relax. I was like, I expect it to be defense from here on out. And I was mostly right with the exception of the final seventh round pick, which was a wide, a wide receiver. But other than that, we addressed, addressed every single position in the defensive level we addressed defensive line we addressed linebacker we addressed cornerback and we addressed safety the only thing that i thought was odd and i know a lot of other people feel the same way and that's because we got a lot of this with trent balke and obviously i'm alluding to the acl stars you know guys that had potential but then dropped in the draft because they had you know injuries and there's actually three players in this draft class that had significant injury coming out you know fred warner He's a linebacker, um, you know, he, not necessarily a a uh, pass pass rusher, which I was hoping we were going to get, but apparently the draft wasn't really rich in that position. So clearly the Niners are either didn't feel confident about the players available at that position and are banking on our existing group. 
you know, which is Eli Harold, Cassius March, those kind of guys. Um, then there was the uh, round four, 128th overall pick, Contavious Street, defensive lineman out of NC State. This guy, um, run stop, run stopper guy, also had some pass pressure with eight sacks during his four-year career at NC State, although that wasn't his primary job. He was more of a run stopper guy. Disrupt the line of scrimmage, you know, eat up blockers. But he had an ACL um, tear during a private workout during the pre-draft process. So this guy's not the this guy's only going to come back into the conversation by next year's draft. So that one was odd. Um, then there was uh, another one, uh, DJ Raid. I thought that was a fine pick. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary there. Then it was Marcel Harris, safety out of Florida, round six, 184th overall pick. Another season-ending injury due to a torn Achilles. Um, I mean, they're young, so it's like, you know, you buy cheap, and then if they turn out great, then it's a steal, you know, obviously. But again, these are two two Balky-esque picks, you know, within three rounds here. And then there was also uh, the last player, uh, Julian Taylor, wide receiver. Um, his season was cut short last year. You mean Richie um, James? Richie James. Richie James. Sorry, Richie James. You're right. Julian Taylor is a defensive tackle. Um, Richie James was uh, round seven, 240th, 5'10", you know, one of those small, little shifty slot guys. But um, he put up good numbers, but uh, he, in 2017, his season was cut short because of broken collarbone. Now, not as significant as an Achilles, but again, you know, a significant injury nonetheless. So those three players in particular, you know, we're not going to hear anything about these guys, you know, for at least another year. So they're out of the picture. So the ones I'm most curious about is obviously Mike McClinchy, day one, Dante Pettis. He's going to be day one. Fred Warner, most likely going to compete and be part of a rotation. Uh, Tavius Moore's out, you know, Contavious Street. This guy's going to compete. He's going to compete for a starting job. He's small. This, this guy's only 5'9", 180 pounds, really small for a corner but you know apparently has good instincts and good length so we'll see what that happens we'll see what happens out of that you know he's kind of a it's a it's a project a lot of these guys are projects but and then there's a huge um undrafted class too uh, i don't know if we have enough time to cover it but we'll we'll probably hear more about those guys you know as minicamp and everything starts and the press starts to cover who stands out who doesn't that kind of deal but overall i thought it was a solid it was a solid draft we addressed off of concern can hopefully contribute to the defense. Um, still, I still believe there's a glaring hole in pass rush. You know, I don't necessarily know if the guys we have are going to step up. The Niners are banking on that, so we'll see how that works out. If people set up, if Eric Armstead gets injured again, then we obviously know what's going to happen to his future. Um, if Cassius March can kind of play with play play better than than you know better than what his production has shown, you know, and he you know says that he's got a chip on his shoulder because no one's ever doubted him. Okay, well, prove the doubters wrong and, you know, show that you can remain on a team for longer than, you know, a season or two, you know, prove that you can be a long-term player because you're productive. I have, I have so, a question for you. Yeah. So here we are taking flyers on dudes that cannot even play this season, mm -hmm. right? Three of them. <laughs> and then, and then Shaq Griffin goes to Seattle and he has a great draft and for those who aren't familiar it, it's the guy that doesn't have the left hand you know what i mean he's missing a hand so yeah it's this is what confusing me. we're willing to take yeah we're willing to take flyers on dudes that can't even play yet this guy has shown an extraordinary ability to play with only one hand so why don't we take a flyer on at least 
one dude that can play right now. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that? Mm-hmm. And he went to Seattle. He's in the NFC West. He's here. He's here. We might have to deal with him. Like, if we're going to go that route, at least that dude can go to practice now. He's not in rehab somewhere trying to work his ACL out. You know what I mean? I just thought I that was that was the part that was perplexing and strange I alluded to a little bit in the beginning. Like, if we're going to go this route, then why don't we get Griffin? Because at least the dude can go to practice right now and he has the drive and the heart. Not saying it's going to pan out, but I mean, you know, part of my language, fucking A. I mean, at least, at least he's not literally in a hospital somewhere rehabbing his leg. Right, right. I mean, that was it. That was like the one thing for me. I'm just like, all right. Okay, like if we're going to go down this route, I just said this a second ago, but if we're going to go down this route, I'm going to say it again. If we're going down this route, then why not at least take a flyer on a dude that can walk into the practice squad right now and go, you know, versus guys that we don't even know if they'll ever pan out and they've never panned out. So I don't understand why we repeated this process. Like they've never panned out. There's no history of success for these players with the 49ers, I guess, with the exception of like Michael Crabtree, I guess, you know, but yeah, but he, he already started by the time he got an ACL injury. Like he was already on the roster being productive. Then he had one like the next year or two years later or something like that. You know, he already contributed is my point. I think one caveat I'd like to add to the mix here is I realized that Balgi was like, Oh, for seven in this category at the same time. Um, this is somebody different. John Lynch, um, making these selections and last year had a very productive draft class and they all contributed. So, you know, this is his first time picking players that um, are a little bit of a flight risk, you know, but on the flip side, they're late round picks. So you're not losing a whole lot in terms of your investment, your, your, your spending. So that, that's the good news. And then the other part of it too, that I think, you know, is, I think worth considering too, is that, like I said, this is John Lynch. So let's see if John Lynch can, turn around you know the bad streak because i know the articles kept saying niners have a history of drafting i was like no trent balky has a history of drafting this this if if this had been a trend from other gms and it never worked out that'd be one thing but this was a trent balky thing that he would love to do um and so i think the only thing we can do because we don't have a choice really is we have to kind of wait till next year to see if the two acl guys can contribute um at any level um let alone a high level and then the collarbone receiver, you know, I think, um, you know, he, he'll obviously heal up before Rich James will heal up before the other two guys, before Marcel Harris and Contavious Street. So we'll have to see how that works out. But um, other than that, you know, I think yeah, we, we got to see how this works out. Like if it's going to yield the exact same results, then, you know, regardless of age, uh, you know, then ACL injured guys are just, you know, just not worth it, you know, but. We're not the only team that does it, so it's not like we're alone in this category. There That's are other fair. teams that, that do this too. So we just have to see how it's gonna pan out. But I you know, I can't help and I know a lot of fans feel the same way. Can't help but feel a little, you know, like, oh God, you know, rolling the eyes, like here we go again, just because we saw how badly this turned out with Trent Balky. But Trent Balky made lots of bad picks. You know, it wasn't like these were his only bad picks. That would be one thing. He made bad picks all over the place. So that's true. Let's John Lynch has made great picks all across the board on offense um, and defense. Defense. Um, so we'll have to see if these guys can, you know, live up, live up to the hype. It's just frustrating. 
it's just, and you know, we're we're gonna we're we're almost times up. We're doing a short one tonight, folks. But it's just frustrating to see that kid, Griffin, go to the Seattle Seahawks. Now he's in the NFC West. Maybe nothing. Maybe nothing comes of him. Maybe he's on the practice squad, and that's it. But the Niners had a lot of opportunities to pick him up. And if we're gonna take flyers on kids with torn ACLs that are in rehab that may never play. Why not get this one kid who's super driven, you know, had a really good combine. And instead of doing that, we took flyers on these other guys. And now that kid's opposite of us in the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, do, do, you see, do you see where I'm going with all that? Like, that's my one thing. If he went anywhere else, I probably wouldn't even care. I probably wouldn't even be bringing him up. But the fact that he's in Seattle, I'm just like, we could have taken this kid. We could have taken him. I get what you're saying. But at the same time, Shaquem Griffin is, um, he's a fifth round pick. Um, Fred Warner, the guy we got, he's six three two thirty six, and he's a, a third round pick. So there's a there's a difference in um, there's a difference in skill level, you know, versus what round you you've been taken at. I I don't doubt his resolve. I don't doubt his fortitude. He clearly made it to the NFL, and now he gets to play alongside of his brother. I think that's an awesome story. But at the same time, we got our linebacker two rounds before that, so I'm not too worried about that one. But I I understand the comparison you're making. Fair enough. All right, we're gonna. We're going to wrap it up. We're about there. But I I just want to touch on real quick. One of my favorite things this weekend, Ray, was I saw on YouTube Max Kellerman from First Take saying, just bald face looking right in the camera, ton of conviction, saying that the Warriors could not beat the Pelicans without Steph Curry. There was There was no way they were going to be able to do this. They're just too hot. They're too strong. Then game one happens. And the Pelicans, they get a nice dose of what it's like to play against the Bay. So just real quick, like, you know, 30 seconds, say how you feel. I loved it. Obviously, we have three more to go. This is far from over. But this is like, uh, we were saying this earlier, this is my uh, my let's go moment of the week. Let's go. Well, the Pelicans, even though I think obviously have more star power, than San Antonio and are a better better seated team than San Antonio. I just think San Antonio is a little bit more sound because they're they're coached better. So I think they're a better team. They just lack star power. If they had Kwahi Leonard, you know, that would have been a different story. I think they're they're much better with Kwahi Leonard there. You know, I think they're a better team than the Pelicans. You know, Pelicans just got good. How long has, you know, their coach been trying to you know, bring that team, turn that team around. It's taking, it's taking a few years, you know, but then again, it's not easy to turn around any professional sports team. But here's the thing. You still have three all-stars, including Andre Iguodala, former two-time all-star, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, both contributed, you know, 27, 26 points. Both had, uh, Kevin Durant had a double-double. Clay Thompson was, has been having a phenomenal postseason this year. Better, I think the best, best, uh, playoffs run i've seen him do that yet i don't think he's had a better one so far never, i've never seen him this consistent so sometimes he's kind of up and down in the previous especially in the early years there were the first couple of years but i mean they got double digit scoring from from the, the quinn cook sean livingston andre Godala added 12 so that's three double digit contributors off the bench you know not a lot let alone your starter jamon green had a triple double Kavon Looney continues to be awesome on the defensive end. So David West contributed eight points. So there's just there's just too much depth, I think, for the Pelicans to handle. They just 
you know, the Warriors outscored them three straight quarters until the fourth, you know, and still they lost by 22 points. So this is, uh, I, I'm not, I don't, I think they'll bounce back next game, but I still think the Warriors take game two. Maybe not by 22 points, but perhaps like by half that, like like 10 or 13 or something like that. I think so too. It definitely, it was uh, my let's go moment of the week. Let's go. Uh, before we leave, congratulations to the Giants for finally taking their first series this year against the Dodgers. That was awesome, especially bouncing back last night after that ridiculous ass whooping. I was happy to see that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about more. We'll talk a little bit more about them later. But Raymond, before we go, why don't you let them know? Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Ray Solis, or you can follow me on Instagram at Ray Solis One. And yeah, I'm happy that the Giants took three out of four from the Dodgers too, despite all the injuries too. Hunter Pence is out. Mac Williamson fell down with a concussion after he came out red hot. Uh, Joe Panic might have surgery. He might be out for a couple months. He's on the DL. Mark Melanson was moved to the 60-day DL, so that that's turned out to be a huge bust and a waste of money. So, but uh, they're hanging tight in there, so it's good to see. Good to see. Definitely good to see. Congrats to the Giants. You can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis three on Twitter at Rudy Solis three RD. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host Rudy Solis the third, and with me is my brother, my co-host Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.